0: and i'm excited for this show i've got lisa ventura practice lead and partnering against corruption with the world economic forum welcome lisa thank you so much thank you for having me glad you're here and uh, glad we're out on the pond together before we begin and in in true walden pond fashion i'd like to open up with a quote from thoreau and in doing my research you know the world economic forum the mission of it is an organization for public and private cooperation. So in my research, I was looking for something from Thoreau, what, over 150 years ago, and he wrote this, is a democracy such as we know it, the last improvement possible in government? Is it not possible to take a step further towards recognizing and organizing the rights of man, or in today's world, it would be people. (laughs) So I had to tie a government theme. Any thoughts on that deep thought?
1: Good point, and I think that's exactly what we're trying to achieve at the World Economic Forum—to give an equal seats both from you know civil society, governments, private sector, academia—and make sure everyone has a say in how things are moved forward.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, I feel good. I picked a good Thoreau quote. <laughs> so uh, let's get started. And I'm so curious to kind of find out your background and what the uh, World Economic Forum is up to in terms of global anti-corruption, and, and given the current climate that we're in. So, but first. Tell us about your background and how you got to be in uh, this really cool role with the World Economic Forum.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I've been working at the World Economic Forum for the past six and a half years across different worlds, and I've always been focusing on business and human rights and really trying to understand how best can I encourage the private sector to combine profit with purpose. It has been a really exciting journey. And I've been able to bring together really different stakeholder groups to collaborate and to solve the world's biggest challenges. And now for the past year, I've been with patchy Partnering Against Corruption Initiative. And we are really a CEO-led platform in the global anti-corruption arena, focusing on three main things, public-private cooperation, responsible leadership, and of course, technological advances. And the, the idea there is really to see how can we leverage the tone from the top to change how companies operate and build a corporate culture of ethics and integrity.
0: Wow, I like it. And especially you know, from my passion with the technology, I will we'll be curious to kind of dive into what kind of technologies and examples that you're collaborating with companies on and as well as governments. So very cool. Well, remind us, the audience, our audience, legal and compliance and anti-fraud professionals like yourself. So it's right in line with the partnering and anti-corruption mm-hmm the audience is basically on your side and uh, we're all battling this together. But taking a step back even, remind us of what the World Economic Forum's overall initiatives are and how, obviously, anti-corruption fits in that role.
1: Sure. So, yeah, so the forum is an international organization for public-private cooperation. And the idea is really to see how can we bring businesses, governments, civil society, and other stakeholder groups to work together to address different kinds of issues. And that can go from you know, the future of work, ocean waste to electricity. It's really a wide array of topics. And I think the great example is now with COVID, where we're bringing together key actors in order to kind of, uh, I would say, mainstream their efforts for greater impact. Because if every company or every government is acting alone, it will go so far. So we really believe that together we can go further.
0: Right. Cool. So this is kind of like the The World Health Organization, what is to healthcare, you are to business almost of just cooperating and coordinating. That's cool. So it seems like corruption is high on the agenda, particularly at the World Health Organization and the team that you're helping, that you're a practice lead on against partnering against corruption is certainly a hot topic. Tell us about the council that you're on and what kind of activities do you do? Are you hosting meetings or collaborating with companies? Give us some examples of some of the things that you're doing so that the audience can think about how they might want to get involved.
1: Sure, sounds good. So maybe to start it's through that, the World Economic Forum is really keen on zero tolerance corruption, and we have reiterated that across, I would say, the years, as we are now turning 50. Wow. Uh, as for the Global Future Council, so we have a few of those councils, and so I have the privilege to lead the one on transparency and anti-corruption. It's a group of around 20, 25 people from different stakeholder groups, And they are working on the framework that they call the Agenda for Business Integrity. So this is really trying to understand what you should do as a business leader to work within integrity and really promote that integrity across your whole global value chain. So maybe I can just dwell a bit more on those four pillars. So the first one is really to commit to ethics and integrity beyond compliance. The second is to strengthen corporate culture and incentives to drive continuous learning and improvements. And I think this one is really key. You know, that's when you talk about integrity, you can't just tick a box. It's something that's constantly evolving. Thirdly, and I know that's your favorite, uh, leverage technologies to reduce the scope of corruption. And of course, the forefront support collective action to increase scale and impact. And I think this one, the forefront is also really at the core of what patchy. So the broader, if you want, a team and collection of signatories is aiming to do is to see how can we bring those different activities that are within companies and then together you can change, you know, how things are done in a specific industry, in a region and, you know, hopefully one day globally.
0: And is that agenda for business integrity out there on the website yet or is it a working document that's not released
1: yet? It is. So uh, it is. yeah, okay, happy to, uh, we can add the links on oh, your good. page. So we have kind of an overview documents and we are now with the group focusing on writing those four pillars a bit in depth. We already have the third one that was released last week. That's a really exciting piece. So yeah, I definitely encourage you to have a look.
0: Yeah, definitely send me those and we'll put those out and make them available for the audience to click and download. That's great. You know, you mentioned this year's focus, there's COVID. You had some priorities in talking to you earlier. Obviously, COVID's a hot topic, a key topic that's going to be with us probably throughout the rest of the year. But the areas that you're focused on is, you know, COVID and the related corruption risks, technology, and how that drives transparency. And that, I guess, you know, that pillar around business integrity. Let's talk about, you know, I'd like to hear kind of what activities Focusing first on COVID, what kind of activities or responses are you working on or or is the organization, the committee, working on with respect to responding to COVID and the related corruption?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. There's two things, if you want, that we are doing currently related to COVID and anti-corruption. One is really raising awareness. We really feel that there's a true risk, and I think more than a risk today, a reality that corruption will rise in the way people respond to COVID. So we wanna make sure that transparency and accountability are really key features in the recovery because truly a company that's equipped with integrity and a good governance framework is much better placed to overcome the crisis, but also to recover from an economic standpoint.
0: True, yeah, true. Well, and the second point that I wanted to dive into and in my personal passion is the use of technology and driving business transparency. And what are your thoughts or what are you doing around that to help drive or help remind legal compliance professionals to think about technology and increasing business transparency?
1: So we do a few things. I think one thing, it's again about making sure that people are aware of those tools, you know, so is it even bringing an entrepreneur or, you know, a tech startup at one of our meetings so people can actually hear more? What do we mean by tech solutions? What does it entail? how it will change my day-to-day. So we try to kind of bring those kind of nuggets of wisdom. We also write some papers, as I mentioned before, like, you know, what does it mean to be more resilient from a digital standpoint and making sure you have the right infrastructure to promote transparency. And then thirdly, which is a bit more, I would say, uh, concrete, is we try to scale existing solutions. So, for example, if a company has been working on their own solution and they're like, okay, to really achieve achieve true scale, we need either more data or we need more people to work on it. So we try to see how can we build mini consortiums to really scale the work and also yeah, just to make people a bit more efficient because obviously if everyone is working on the same algorithm They will just, you know, waste money and time. But if people can kind of use someone else's solution and then because they're trying to achieve the same thing, you will be much faster. So it's really things like that. It's greater collaboration. And I think often when it comes to data, people can be a bit more, I would say, shy and, and sharing those. So by being a bit more of an impartial platform, it's easier to kind of put the rules of engagement and make sure that people are engaging for the right reason to really have greater transparency and not for uh, any kind of a uh, competition issues.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting. And I was connected through you, Lisa, through our mutual friend, Matt Galvin, who's the global VP of ethics and compliance at Anheuser-Busch InBev. And he's talked a lot about that consortium idea of sharing best practices, sharing perhaps watch lists and, you know, high-risk third parties, and even sharing, you know, fraud scheme or corruption scheme algorithms. Again, not the data itself, but the patterns. And, you know, when certain risk triggers are occurring multiple times in a certain pattern or way observed at one company, those patterns can be replicated at other companies to share and collaborate. And I love that idea around the consortium. And, And actually, you think about it. World Economic Forum is a good vehicle for helping support and promote that. So that's very cool. Any thoughts? I think you've met Matt before, right?
1: I did, yes. And uh, cool. I must say his his work on blue right, it's really inspiring. And I think we're trying to see what can we do in a way, what is helpful, you know? So is it to get uh, expertise from specific again, because he's looking at it from his own industry points. And so I think it's interesting to see, you know, how can we apply it to different industry? So, yeah. We're still figuring out how can we best but I think even just as a good example of what can technology do for anti-corruption and greater transparency, this is really a perfect case study
0: yeah that's great I know and I hate to say that it is a perfect case study because I helped him build it <laughs> I'm just no it was mainly him though but it was a fun project so the last part you know that driving business integrity is that other key priority, and I think you know it works together with you know, addressing corruption risks and leveraging technology. And overall, I think the end result is driving business integrity. But are there anything specifically where you're helping remind or working with companies to bring integrity or corporate integrity to the forefront of a company's agenda?
1: Yes, definitely. So, I mean, as I mentioned before, Apache is a CEO-led organization. So we have kind of 90-plus signatories, and the idea is to also create those interactions between those members. So ah. they meet quite regularly to share, you know, their best practice, share their concerns, but also see, you know, what are the things that are working. And typically now with COVID-19, we're we're running a series of webinars for those members that are really interesting to see, okay, you know, everyone is seeing the risk. I think there was a lot of emphasis, especially on emergency procurements Mm -hmm. and really how can you keep oversight, accountability and transparency when you have so much pressure to act quickly. And we hear quite a lot of concern, to be honest, of, of people who feel like, you know, people are keen on compliance when everything is good, but when suddenly there's a bit of a crisis, it's a bit on the side. So I think sure. we should lot to remind people that actually it has to be at the center and also hear, you know, what are the mechanisms that people have found useful, or even if you're going to have extraordinary measure, how can you make sure that those measures have a strict timeline and they're not just kind of used for a year and then at the cost of all your good compliance work that you had in the past.
0: Yep. You know, it's funny when I deploy compliance technologies for my clients in, in a lot of the integrations. And the one thing that's important is you can build something really cool and really great that drives a lot of transparency. And it's it's exciting for the fr- it's like a new toy. It's exciting for the first year or so. But if people aren't working at it, and continuing to use it, or if they're not continuously improving it, it will get stale and die off. And all of a sudden, someone will be asleep at the wheel and, and that whole initiative will be for naught. Uh, it's a very good point to keep that transparency at the front of the priorities. Let me shift gears real quick, because I was curious about how the World Economic Forum is kind of partnering with other organizations mm-hmm. like i would imagine that you probably do a lot of collaboration with like transparency international and other types of organizations or even governments can you kind of talk about real quick kind of how are you tied in with other organizations and or governments
1: Of course. So you mentioned earlier Transparency International. We are, of course, working a lot with them. They actually are the ones who initiated the creation of Patchy 15 years ago. And our principles, when CEOs signed to join Patchy, it's actually based on Transparency International's work. And we have also the chair of TI, Di Rubio Ferreira, who sits on our Global Future Council. So there's definitely a lot a lot of interaction and we, yeah, we really uh, look up to their work. So we're very lucky to work so closely with them. We awesome. also work with other NGOs. I mean, I would say on more specific topic. for example, the Basel Institute for Good Governance is also an organization we work quite a lot with and others. So I would say, again, with the principles really of the World Economic Forum is to engage a really rich mix of stakeholder groups, so nonprofits, civil society, and advocacy groups are really key to make sure what we do is relevant and not just a way to make, you know, the private sector feel better, but really challenge in the way they work. And in terms of governments, we do as well actually have some colleagues that are currently developing a really exciting e procurement platform for Colombia. So I would say we work with governments in terms of piloting solutions, getting their feedback and understanding, okay, what's useful, what's not. We also invite them to our meetings to make sure that we have their perspectives represented, because of course, you know, the private sector is not acting alone. Uh, It's in different jurisdictions to have the public sector is really key for us to, to be relevant and create those connections that maybe are not done before, right? So I think it's kind of the, exciting feature of what we do you've got a fun job i mean (laughs) you not only work uh,
0: with like ceos and global chief compliance officers of big companies but also governments and bringing them together to solve problems that's awesome
1: it's cool yeah exciting but let me tell you it's a lot of work as well
0: (laughs) yeah i could imagine again and, and again you're based out of geneva switzerland right and that's where the organization's based
1: exactly we are based in geneva but we are also having some offices in new york san francisco tokyo beijing and uh, recently mumbai so it's uh, yeah it's a really exciting oh, cool. place to be
0: yeah no doubt i'm sure you travel a lot once travel restrictions are lifted
1: to be honest i used to i don't know how the yeah. new normal will be maybe Not we'll be true. more uh,
0: conscious more of our
1: carbon footprints.
0: you're virtual like this i know exactly so again, thinking about the audience and the listeners here, how can our legal and compliance friends and maybe even CEOs and CFOs or C-level executives get involved with the World Economic Forum? What's the best place to start? Would it be your website or some of the, the things that we'll post on uh, this podcast? Or yeah. How do
1: they get involved? I think there's two ways, if you want, there's kind of the more passive way to just in a way consume, if I may say, our content. All of our findings are regularly posted on our websites. So typically, I was talking about those COVID-19 webinars that we do for our compliance officers. From that, we issued a little risk map. So all those things are available online. And then if you want to be more active and really, I would say, shape how the compliance community is acting and should be acting, if I may say, for that, you can join more formally and again, all the details of how to join are on the website, but if you can just shoot me an email and we can look into it. As you know, the World Economic Forum is a member-based organization, so there's different ways to join us. Sure. We're happy to run the, through the details on a more one-to-one call.
0: Very good, very good. Well, we've got time for one last question, and that will be kind of what advice or giving advice to the audience. Based on what you're seeing and the people that you're talking to, what advice would you give to our compliance and legal community about what they can be doing now during the pandemic and what they can be doing to keep business integrity and transparency still at the forefront. Because I think we can all agree that global corruption will be at a high point because pressure is at a high point. Pressure to meet Mm -hmm. financial performance metrics, pressure to keep the teams together, pressure to keep the businesses going. In many cases, that could lead to bribes or other improper payments. So what would you recommend the audience keep their eye on?
1: I mean, I would say first, you know, stay strong. <laughs> it's a long, windy battle, but I think it's really worth it. And second of all, to have champions internally. So ideally, your CEO, a chairperson, you know, someone within the leadership that really believes that integrity is integral value and not just a nice to have and i think that really makes a big difference and then thirdly to a bit rely on the numbers and i think hopefully we'll have some more research later that will show that actually integrity and good governance is good business you know so uh, you know be it actually helps you know so i think that is key and fourthly i would say i truly believe in the whole thing around ethics beyond compliance so i think yes you have your you know department or team of compliance, but really to make sure that yeah everyone is aware that you have up to date trainings that everyone, including third party contractors, are really aware and trained on what is good practice, good behavior, and good compliance, so I think, yeah, just to keep up with the good work because it's something that's as I mentioned before, it's continuous, you can't just you know do one training and it's over, so right. Hang in
0: there. Yeah, hang in there. Well, <laughs> that's great advice, Lisa. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. This was a lot of fun. Um, thank you. And we got to get you back out on the pond again in the near future, because, uh, again, as things come up, please do keep us posted on what the World Economic Forum is doing in our space and any new guidance that comes out. So you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you.
0: And everybody, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining uh The Walden Pond, which is part of the Tom Fox Compliance Podcast Network. And with that, we'll end the show. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.